Welcome, five fans, to the 49th edition of Before the Bald Man Speaks. Now, normally your host is Andrew the Clown Kid Lawrence, but it's me tonight, Daniel Levy, and the MMA genius. We're going to be taking over, talking uh, Carlos Condit versus Damian Maya, and I mean, holy fucking shit. You know, people said that, you know, maybe Maya was going to submit him, but I don't think many people called it in the first round, and basically, it, it was in under two minutes, man. I mean, that was absolutely spectacular for him to, to be able to do that to a guy like Condit, who hasn't been submitted since 2006 when he fought Pat Healy. You know, that's a that's a statement in itself. Tell me what you think. Let me turn this fucking thing off real quick. Man, I definitely didn't see it going down like that. Um, I thought Carlos would be able to defend the submission for at least a couple rounds, just like we saw multiple other guys do, like Matt Brown. Um, you know, Neil Magny at least defended it for a round. Um, Alexander Yakovlev. Uh, Mario Miranda. Mario Miranda, Kendall Grove. I mean, the, the dudes have survived that uh, top game. I thought he would be able to, you know, survive it and come through in the late third, fourth, and fifth rounds. But Maya's just on a different level right now, man. I mean, when that guy gets on top of you, there's really not shit you can do, you know. Um, he's getting better. It's a crazy better. part, man. Like, yeah. you'd think that he would have peaked. Yeah. You know, like back in the day, he actually beat Gabriel Gonzaga in a pure jiu-jitsu matchup. In, Subbed him, too. In, in, yeah, he finished him. him in the absolute division. You know, for those that don't know, that means that it, it's an open weight class. So a little dude can fight the fucking biggest of the heavyweights. And Maya went out there and submitted the pal. So, you know, and now he's just getting better. Because, you know, for a while he was getting criticized for going to these decisions. But now that he's on that, you know, I, I believe it's a six-fight win streak. You know, he's really uh, – he's cemented himself, and I think he should fight the winner of uh, Woodley versus Wonderboy, no questions asked. I mean, when you when you demolish guys the way he's the way he's been doing it, completely shutting them down, it's so hard to deny it. Magni, Gunny, Carlos, Matt Brown, um, and some other guys. Like Rick Story. Rick Story. I mean, you don't just simply strangle those dudes, man. And uh, it's so hard to deny him the shot. And I really think he's got a really good shot at being the world champion, man. When that guy gets on top of you, you're pretty much fucked. And just to put more emphasis on the improvements he's made, you know, he was always dominant with his jujitsu. It's just he was criticized for, you know, going to decision, not, you know, finishing the fights. You know, we like to see exciting fighters. Now he's taking out all those top world-class guys, and it looks like they don't even have a chance. Another thing is, man, he throws you off on the feet as well because, as we saw earlier, the way Carlos was striking, his hands were down really low because, you know, he wants to get those underhooks right away. And, like, it just pretty much throws off your whole game because you have to get ready to get those underhooks. And fucking, as we saw in the Matt Brown fight, he cracked Matt a couple times because his hands were low because the underhooks, obviously. So, man, he's no slouch on the feet as well. Yeah, I mean, he's a very tough dude to deal with. And, uh, you know, as far as he's concerned, how do you think he would match up against the likes of Tyron Woodley or Wonderboy? I know they're both drastically different matchups, but uh, let's talk about both of them, man, because that's obviously what's going to happen next. I mean, I definitely, you know, as a betting man, I would definitely uh, look to bet him against Woodley just with Woodley's, you know, cardio in his past. Um, and him, you know, when he gets tired, he likes to back into that fence, which is right in Damien's world. Um Wonderboy, you know, uh, I mean, I, I could see Wonderboy kicking his head off, or I could see what he just happened tonight, man. If Damien gets on top of you, as an underdog, I don't see why you would not bet it, or at least bet him by sub. I mean, I, I think the sub line at, at one point well, earlier this week was like plus 331, and I passed on it because I really thought Carlos was going to win. But uh, looking back, man, it was a 
poor decision on my part, but you know, you, you learn your craft as you go. <laughs> and you know, speaking of uh, Wonder Boy, one thing I think that would be really interesting about his matchup with Maya would be the fact that you know, Wonder Boy, no matter what, he utilizes the footwork. With Carlos Condit, you know, it's specific fights. You know, for example, the Nick Diaz fight. That's when he chose to use that hit and run strategy. Whereas in other fights, like the Dan Hardy fight, you know, he stood in the pocket and traded with him. So tonight. You know, we were right away. He backed himself up against the cage, kind of like Anthony Pettis tends to do sometimes. And we were like, Carlos, circle. Like, what, like, what are you doing, man? See, and that's that's the fundamental difference, I think, with a guy like Wonder Boy is I don't think he would back himself up against the fence. I think he'd consistently be uh, circling, and it'd be, you know, it, it would, you know, both guys are a puzzle to solve. But one can make the argument that Wonder Boy is a tougher puzzle to solve, man. I mean, with Wonder Boy, with that stance and those side kicks. And that jab, that jab is serious. Um, the broken rhythm, exactly, the misdirection. It's just, uh, it's just he's very hard to deal with. But, hey, if Maya gets on top of him, then it's a whole different ballgame. No doubt about it. I mean, Maya gets on top of any, anyone, anyone as you've seen, especially now right here in 2016. It's just he's in prime form. And it's crazy because, you know, he's 38 years old. So you'd think that, you know, he'd be slowing down a bit. You know, then again, had the fight gone on later, who knows how his cardio would have held up. But bottom line, to Put away a guy like Carlos Condit in the first round. I mean, that's never been done in the UFC before, let alone in a in almost a decade, right? Yeah. I mean, that was something else, man. Um, shout out to Damian, man. Give him the title shot. So we talked about how he would stack up against Wonder Boy, but how do you think he would stack up against Woodley? Um, of course, Woodley is a specimen. He's explosive. D1 wrestler, D1 All-American. Can knock, knock Robbie Can Lawler knock out Robbie and Lawler didn't Lawler take out. a single punch the exactly. entire fight. Um, of, course he, of course, he's a dynamic, explosive fighter, but I feel like if Damien could make him work in those early rounds, get him huffing and puffing, and we know what happens when Tyron starts huffing and puffing. He starts backing into that fence, which is exactly what Damien wants. Damien could pull guard or just take him down straight up. Um We've seen we've seen Woodley back into the fence against Shields, Rory, um, Neymar Court. I mean, even even the fights he won in strike force, you know. Um, but I, I would definitely bet Damian against uh, Woodley. Yeah, definitely. You know, but obviously you'd have to be wary of that oh, of right hand. I would, that course, that right course. hand can put any of man course. out. <laughs> we just saw who got the bonuses. Bonus we'll, we'll get yeah. we'll get into that in in, in a second. But uh, yeah, I mean that right hand is a nuclear weapon. It's not yeah. just the right hand; it's Tyron Woodley's ability to close that distance. You know, yeah. and he's such a specimen. He's a, he's explosive. He's a, probably the fastest guy in the division um, early on in the rounds. You know, um, he's Tyron Woodley. Look, just look at him. You know, chosen. <laughs> just look at him. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, but hey, if that fight became a war of attrition and they started grappling and and it became a uh, like a fight where the where it came down to scrambles, Damien all day. Oh yeah, I don't care who you are. Damien gets yeah. on top of you. I mean, unless you're Jake Shields, yeah. but he, you know, unless you're Jake Shields, uh, you're pretty much screwed, man. So Tyron would have to KO him, which also is you know entirely a possibility, as you saw in his uh, championship winning yeah, effort. Damien's chin is solid, man. He's only been KO'd one time. We've seen him take a bevy of shots and you know. Uh, at 85 minutes. Went five with Anderson Silva in Anderson's prime yeah. back when he was KOing everyone. So, I mean, um, it'll be very tough to KO him as well. Because Chris, when Chris gets, Weidman didn't KO him either. Exactly, because you know when he gets hit hard, he's just going to pull guard and flop to his back. So, you know, he's, re he's really cautious about that. 
Yeah. Now, in the co-main event of the evening, we had Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Charles Dubronx Oliveira. You know, I was saying all week in the pre-fight that these two guys, you know, they're they're kind of they're innovators of the sport in a way. You know, when Anthony Pettis did that Showtime kick, you know, the next day in the gym, these dudes are jumping off the wall, hitting the tie pads, and then you see guys like Yair Rodriguez, and they're doing all those kind of moves, you know, more frequently than Showtime was. And then with Dubronx, I mean, he can get a submission out of anywhere, kind of like a guy like Jim Miller could. But you really see him chaining those submissions off his back, getting calf slicers. I mean, he was just unbelievable. And tonight, you know, I think Pettis showed a lot. You know. He has slowed down, yes, but at least he got to show his grit, his heart. And also, one doesn't simply submit Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Let me tell you that right now. And he had his back taken, and he was able to reverse the position. So, you know, it's got to be a good feeling to take out the number six guy in your featherweight debut, especially, you know, snapping that three-fight losing streak. Yeah, the, the heart of Anthony was never a question. It was just the guys he's been fighting, you know. When you're fighting Rafael Alvarez and Edson, I mean, those are just stylistically bad matchups for him, you know. And this is that was the lightweight division, you know, the lightweight division. It's just everyone's a killer, man. Um, you know, with this fight going in, it was just on paper, it was just could he land that body kick and hurt him, in which he did, you know. Charles flopped to his back after that body kick landed. And, uh, man, Charles hung in there tougher than I thought he would. I thought Charles would, you know, take a knee after that body kick. But, you know, he hung in there and was uh, arguably on his way to stealing that fight uh, in the beginning of the third round. But, uh, I mean, Hart has never been a question with Pettis. Um, I definitely think his stand-up his stand has diminished a little bit. Uh, maybe not his offense, but his defense for sure, you know. Um, his chin was exposed a lot in there. But that might have been due to him just completely gassing himself out, um, you know, gassing himself out in that first round. And, um, yeah, because he was looking for the finish. He thought yeah. he had Charles Oliveira knocked out in that first round, and yeah. who knows, you know, how much energy he expended in that moment when he tried to take him out. Exactly. Um, as far as his future at 145, do I think he's going to be a world champion? No. Um, I definitely think some guys would beat him at 145. I definitely think that was a tough cut for him. Um, you know, but we'll see, man. As far as his next fight goes, man, it could be, you know, I love to see him fight. You said uh, Bermudez, um, Elkins, uh, Duho Choi. Uh, Here's the thing, though. The the you know I like those matchups personally, but the backlash people are going to give you for that is, well, he just took the took out the number six guy. Why why should he fight you know the number eight guy, the number ten guy? He only has to move forward. Even though well, I agree with you 100. percent He should fight those guys because look. I mean, you got to earn it. You got, I mean, yeah, he's the former champion. Holloway's on a nice fight win streak. Those dudes been putting in the workout for the way when he's only had one fight, you know? So, um, and plus let's not act like he just wasn't on a three fight skid while those other dudes are on nice streaks. So, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So if the Dennis Bermudez fight doesn't materialize, who should he fight next? Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Jeremy's fighting Frankie, uh, Max, title shot if jose if jose doesn't take the fight um <laughs> which he is known which for. he's known for he pulls a lot um llamas <laughs> um, is booked um so i'm gonna have to is go. there any chance at all that llamas fucks this up no uh, he's gonna destroy bj <laughs> um, uh who else is charles was number six i already named off like the top who else am i missing uh, yeah, Chad's out Chad's of the picture. Out of the picture. 
So I mean, Frankie Edgar, uh, Bermudez, Bermudez, Elkins. Um, those seem like the most logical choices in the rank in terms of rankings. Um, Who's Edgar fighting next? Jeremy. Jeremy. I'm, Man, that that sure. that's a hell I'm of a fight pretty, right yeah. there, dude. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure they're fighting. And yeah. So. What about the return of the Korean Zombie? A little WBC hey. classic. <laughs> Showtime Pettis versus the Korean Zombie, and right. the Korean Zombie's return. Yeah. I mean, that could be fireworks. That could definitely and, be I mean, also, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, when he left, you know, his last fight was against Aldo. He was the number one contender. So he probably wasn't, you know, far away from number six, when you know, in the rankings when he left. So it's not like this is some, yeah, uh, you know, non-ranked guy. But, you know, as his first fight back, you know, you want to get him a – you know, bring in someone to lose, bring in someone to take this quick knee. Yeah, and call it, call it T-Bow County. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, you know, you brought up the point earlier where, you know, Pettis was coming off that three-fight skate. You know, he True. did get that one victory. He does have to prove himself. Yeah. So, you know, could this be a potential guy, you know, to get that, you know, second fight, you know, two-fight win streak, get your confidence back, and then I mean, really be poised to make that run? I mean, how about Darren Elkins? I mean, Darren Elkins is on a, what, three, four, five win streak? Um, looking better than ever since he moved to Cali. Um, is he, where is he ranked, though? Number Like 10, number 10, 11? Okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, top 10. Um, you, know, you know what's a really winnable fight for uh, Pettis, even though the guy's already booked? Brian T. City Ortega. I really believe that, you know, not only tonight did – Showtime proved that he could defend the submissions from Charles Dubronx Oliveira. He also he also proved that he could submit Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Now, I'm not you know um, implying that he would submit Brian Ortega, but what I am saying is that he would be able to deal with him. And as you've seen in Brian Ortega's past fights, you know he does get pieced up on the feet. He wills himself to these victories, like he did against Clay Guida, like he did against Tiago Tavares. And, uh, you know, like he did against Keone Cook back in the WEC, uh, not WEC, <laughs> RFA. And, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Pettis Hart has never been a question. And I think that that would be a very good matchup for uh, for Pettis. So maybe the winner of Hakran and uh, and uh, Ortega, you know, maybe he needs some time off and then come back, you know, because I know that weight, that weight cut was brutal, man. I'm, I'm looking to bet Hakran in that fight. To be honest, um, you think you think he's gonna be the dog versus Ortega? Yeah, of course. I mean, Ortega's undefeated. Um, Hakan just got wobbled like fifty times his last fight. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Hakan, yeah, he's chinny, he's a Brazilian weasel, but <laughs> I don't think he's gonna get subbed. That's that's the thing. Um, but you know, Hakan, he doesn't like getting hit, but I, I think he could uh, stall this one out and take home a close decision. Yeah. Definitely, and where does uh, Charles Dubronx go after this, man? I mean, man, um, I, to be honest, even though he got subbed, I mean, it, it, I feel like uh, the question on his toughness actually, actually got you know we've always said he's a little quitter, you know he'll look for the door, but I mean I felt like if he re if he really was a quitter, he would have found the door a lot sooner. Um, as far as his next fight goes, there's plenty of options. I mean. Um, uh, how about Charles the Bronx versus, uh, um, let's say Ricardo Lamas takes care of BJ real quick. I mean, Charles versus Ricardo, or that's a good fight. Uh, Who you got in that one? I got the Bronx to be honest with uh, you, unless Ricardo, yeah, it's a tough fight. Um, who else is at 45? Charles the Bronx versus, uh, Tiago Tavares, or Charles the Bronx versus, um, 
What do you think about uh, Mirosad Bektik versus Arnold Allen? I mean, that's a that's a hell of a matchup. That's great matchmaking. And, you know, a lot of people are insinuating that Mirosad Bektik is a lock in this spot. And, you know, based on his last performance, I understand where they're coming from. But, you know, two years later, an ACL surgery. Was it two ACLs or one? But bottom line, I mean, it's been a while. And, uh, you know, Arnold Allen's no slouch, as he's proven in his uh, – two UFC appearances, man. So what, what do you think about that matchup? I know we're getting a little off topic, but that's a very good prospect versus prospect um, matchup. And uh, I'm curious about your opinion on it. I mean, I'm, you know, before the uh, ACL injury, you know, Merced was definitely top prospect at 145, in my opinion. Um, Arnold Allen, he's a young kid. You know, he, he was losing his first fight and he got that sub at the end and he fought Mesa, who was brought in to lose. Um, you know, Am I high? Am I too high on him necessarily? No, I think he's legit. Um, I, I got Mursad in the fight though. No, so you you think he's going to be totally good to go? That blast double will be the same because you remember with Khabib, his that first uh, shot he had on Horcher wasn't the same since the Mursad's since the knee surgery. Mursad's not necessarily a wrestler; he's primarily a boxer. Um, but that blast double is a thing of beauty. Well, yeah, but he could totally box this kid as well. I mean, you saw what he did to Lucas. I mean, he didn't even get touched. He fucking swarmed him like no space and fucking slipped every punch he threw and just absolutely demolished him. I know it's Lucas Martins, but hey, Lucas Martins no slouch. So I mean, Lucas Martins, Lucas comes, Martins to fight. comes to fight. And um, yeah, I mean. I definitely would understand. I understand a bet on Allen, but uh, do I actually think he's going to win? Uh, no. Do you think Mirsad stops him or decisions him? Um, decision. Okay. Now, next up, we had Paige Van Zandt versus Beck Rawlings. And, you know, it was interesting because the first round went kind of how we thought it would go, where, you know, Beck would be crisper. She'd be able to counter her. But, man, in that second round, you know, Paige Van Zandt pulled a Yair Rodriguez and, you know that was some uh, that was, that was just a thing of beauty. She earned herself an automatic 50k. My hats off to you. That was beautiful. What else is there to say? Yeah, you know I bet on Beck. You know strictly for the reason you just said. Paige on the feet is chin straight up in the air. You know she her movement looked a little bit better, but anytime they got in tight, you know Beck was landing the shots in that first round. Um, definitely the more damaging blows. You know Beck likes to run her mouth a lot. You know she talks a lot of shit. She talks about how she's a soul leader and it's chin checking time. But hey, when her chin got checked, she hit the deck. So um, I feel sorry <laughs> for her. No, um, congrats to Paige. I mean, do my thoughts change on Paige necessarily? No, not really. Um, you know, she didn't charge straight in like she's uh, known for, but I didn't really see too much, you know, improvement, to be honest. Um, I just think it was more so back just being a little heavy, heavy up top and a little uh, soft on the chin, but uh, I hey. mean, and that fucking flying kick. I mean, what can you say when someone lands a kick hey, like that? that was a, exactly, you hey, gotta give them their props. Hey. Like you know, that's a 50k yeah. bonus right there. So much respect. And uh, yeah, so I mean, who should Paige Van Zandt fight next? You know, I know off air we were saying Jessica Andrade, but then we remembered she was she is booked against Joanne Calderwood, which you know is a hell of a matchup. So. Since Jessica Andrade isn't available, you know who would you pick to fight? What, what about Courtney Casey versus uh, Paige Van Zandt? You like that one? Yeah, that's are, a, are they in the same weight class? Yeah, one fifteen. Um, that's a good fight. Yeah, I could totally see that happening. 
Um, yeah, that's actually a good fight. Um, who else is that one? Love, I mean, let's just leave it at that. I mean, yeah. let's hit up uh, Sean Shelby, <laughs> Courtney Casey versus Paige Van Zandt. If you like it, tweet it. Next up, Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon. Man, this one broke my heart. You know, I had a play on Joe Lozon. And, uh, you know, you just got to accept the fact that controversial decisions are a part of the sport. And it is what it is. You know, when you're on the right side of one, you take it. And when you're on the wrong side of one, it hurts. But you fucking take it, man. T took it on the chin. It is what it is, man. But as far as the fight's concerned, you know, if I'm trying to, you know, look into the judges' perspective, see how they saw it, you know, I do understand that on the feet you could make the argument that Miller was landing the bigger shots, you know, when he makes it up to the body. But, man, he got taken down every round. So it's like one of those things where, you know, do you try to analyze the fight based on how you think the judges are going to score it or do you base it on how you personally score it, you know, based on the things that you value most, like the damage over the takedown? So in that sense, it was tough to score, but it was tough to score. But based on the way that, you know, I've seen MMA be scored, you know, regularly, I thought that Joe Lozon would have would have won the fight 29-28, if not 30-27. Um, man, the judging just never has any consistency. You know, um, you never know what the fuck they're looking for. Uh, as we saw with Barzola and Bochniak earlier. Um, you know, I definitely thought Miller won the first round just because he, he he was definitely landing the harder shots. You know, blasting him with that kick. Um, the second round, Miller got off to that good start but you know it, as a betting man if my guy gets on top for the last two two minutes and a half and you know works on top i feel like you steal that round regardless at least in most cases i feel like that's the round would have been favored in lozon's favor i mean when you when you end the round on top you as a betting man you expect to get that round um the third round definitely lozon it was just came down to that second and you know they valued miller striking uh early on more than that takedown but you know it's a part of the game it sucks it's and it's not it's gonna happen again yeah it's a part of the game but uh, we're gonna win some bullshit we're win ones some, and we're gonna we're lose gonna some bullshit some, ones uh, but with all that said be careful when you bet benson henderson as we saw <laughs> last night you know yeah. but uh dude so where does uh you know Jim Miller and Joe Lozon go from here. You know, I told you before the fight, I think the guy who loses this fight should face Ross Pearson. You know, take a little bit of time off, come back, make that the next fight. So Joe Lozon versus Ross Pearson? Yeah, that's a good fight. Both have been around the block for a while. I th definitely think Ross needs some time off after that Masvidal fight. You know, as he didn't know that he thought the fight was over after the second round, you know, so... Um, if people don't know what he's <laughs> referencing, so this was an interesting moment in the fight. So after the second round of the Ross Pearson versus Jorge Masvidal fight, Ross Pearson walks over to Jorge Masvidal's corner. He uh, First he lifts his hands in the air like the fight's over. He gives Jorge a hug you know, to congratulate him for the fight, and people had to tap him on the back and be like, hey, dude, you got, you got another round of fight. Jorge was like, the fuck? Yeah. the fuck is going on, man? He like patted <laughs> him on the back or some shit. But, yeah, man, Ross Pearson versus Joe Lozon. Yeah. So what about Jim Miller? I mean, because he won the fight. Even though in our eyes he didn't win, on paper he did win. So, I mean, you got to give him another fight. Who should it be? Man, Jim Miller just keeps racking up that money, man. That guy, he, he, he made a nice, hefty amount of money tonight. Um, you know, I could see him fighting a lot of guys. Um, like who's, the, who's the Sam Stout 
of the current UFC lightweight division? Um, I can see him honestly getting the winner of possibly uh, Dunham and Trujillo. Or oh, you think they're gonna throw him in there? I mean, let me ask you this: Would this be really far off, off the cusp? Jim Miller versus Aubin, you know, Oven Aubin Mercier. Um, OAM. I think it is. You know, personally, I want to see OAM fight, uh, get rebooked against my boy uh, Neto BJJ. Oh man, um, that would so that would earn get, some nice plus money so right get there. That nice plus money. Um, <laughs> that plus two. Um, but you know, Jim, Jim's just you know, I, even though he got this one tonight, you know, I, I he's a he's a legend. It's Jim fucking Miller, bro. Um, Both those guys. Exactly. Um, you know, I think he's just more so in this. You know, he's on his way out, looking to get these. Six figure paychecks, you know, and um, but he looked better than he, that. He's looked in his, his current skin. Stand ups actually actually look the, uh, the best it's looked in a while. Um, I would actually have to see a roster so I can, you know, you know, uh, make a to actually, uh, but because uh, I mean, like the Danny Castillos are retired. Who, who are the guys uh, that are towards the end in the lightweight division that Jim Miller I mean, could fight that still got the name value? He's already fought Diego Sanchez, he's already fought Joe Lozon. I mean, there's got to be someone else. You know, in front of me. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll come back to it if yeah. we think of it. But you know, next. What about up, the winner of uh, Leo and Adriano? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those guys. Those guys need to get a good name on their. On oh their man! And why not Jim Miller? Oh man! <laughs> um, man. man, I can't think. What do you think the line would be on that? Fairly close. <laughs> yeah, I think Jim would be the dog, like plus plus one eighty ish. What about a? Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, on this uh, matchmaking. What about Jim Miller versus the winner of uh, Rustam versus Rustam Rustam versus Buscape. Yeah, something like that. Or how about this, Jim Miller versus um, Paul Felder. Or, okay, Paul, Paul Felder, uh, Tornado loser. There we go. How about this, Jim Miller versus the winner of Bobby Green versus Josh, Josh Brady. Done. Right there. Sold. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Got to hit up Joseph. Yeah. Uh, Joe Silva. Yeah, All right. Next up, we got Sam Alvey versus Kevin Casey, and uh, man, it, it was a Sam Alvey fight. You know, it was a Sam Alvey fight when he wins, which basically, you know, you're screaming at your TV. You're you're like, come on, man, start start, start <laughs> throwing, man. But uh, you know, you heard him good at the end of the first round. Thought he was going to get the finish there. You know, he avoided the subs from the bottom, and he uh, ground and pounded him nicely. And then in the second round, he put him away. So yeah. Props to Alvi, two-fight win streak. And, you know, he's been fighting really often, dude. You know, it's, yeah. it, the, it's not like the Elias fight was that long ago. So it went from Elias to Spicely and now to uh, Kevin Casey today. So he called out a European fighter. So that's what he wants next. Now, I'm going to suggest something, even though I know it's not going to happen. And I think you know which direction I'm going with because I got one European 185er in mind that isn't booked for a fight right now. And his name is Christophe Jocko. And even though I personally wouldn't make that matchup, Sam, you asked for a European 85er. If you want a European 85er, I got one for you that's not booked. And uh, that's uh, that's Jocko. What do you think, man? Is, there, know, a is there a chance uh, that happens? There's a chance. I saw some people calling for that fight. You know, personally, I think Jocko, Chris Jocko, uh, <laughs> is a little beyond that at this point. Um, but, you know, how about this? How about uh, Magnus Seedenblad versus Sam Alvey? Or, that's a, uh, that's actually that, exactly. stylistically speaking, it's very that, intriguing. Right um, or how about Sam Alvey versus um, 
versus Trevor Smith. Like, let him keep uh, beating up these jobs. If you want to, like, let him keep building them up, let him beat a job. I like that. Sam Abbey, Trevor Smith. Yeah. But he wants a European. Let's give him a European. Yeah, so Magnus Siedemblad in, uh, in the Europe, on the European scene. Yeah. So UFC 204, yeah. Manchester. Done. Next up, we had Kyle Bosniak versus Enrique Barzola. And, man, I'm gutted for Enrique oh, yeah. Barzola. I mean, the dude, you know, he makes the, the trip from Peru. He puts on the performance of his career, 30-27 on my scorecard. I don't know how, how you had it scored, but, you know, just looked better than he ever looked. You know, his first fight in the UFC, he put on a wrestling clinic. Tonight, he really got to show his improved stand-up. And, man, Bocciak's no slouch. That's a guy that arguably beat Charles Rosa. So, man, I'm gutted uh, for Enrique Barzola here. I mean, props to both Warriors. It's nothing against them. It, you know, it's the judges that we're criticizing here. But, uh, you know, I truly believe Barzola won that fight, and I think the UFC might handle things going forward accordingly. You know, I definitely thought Enrique won the fight. It was a good back-and-forth contest, don't get me wrong, but I thought every round should have went to Enrique. I mean, Bosniak is tough as fuck. He landed some hard leg kicks, he, and he cracked him and wobbled him a couple times. But I thought Enrique just stayed ahead in those exchanges, you know, with the kicks, the flashy kicks you know even the punching combinations i mean i just thought he won every round like the only round that i felt was up in the air was the last one and you know um i still thought he won that round so but i mean i think the ufc would just move on as if uh, enrique won this fight so man featherweight division i mean what what kind of a matchup do we give him next do we give um, him uh, charles rosa yeah why not enrique or Enrique versus Charles Rosa. There you go. Yeah. Enrique Barzola, Charles Rosa. And what about uh Kyle Bosniak? Because on paper, he, he he on paper he won the fight. In the history books, he won the fight. So I mean, you got to uh, give him someone in this weight class, man. Kyle Bosniak versus uh, Jason the Kid Knight. There you go, man. <laughs> man, what was that fight I Taruto. had for uh, Jason Knight? Taruto. Oh man, Jason yeah. Knight versus Taruto would be. Yeah. Or um, that'd be the tits, man. Um, man, uh, fucking, uh, maybe the guy who drops uh, the Skelly versus Blanco fight versus Bosnia, something, yeah, something, like something like that. Maybe, uh, who's uh, Mike Dillatore fighting again? Pepe? Yeah, no, he's fight because you step in for Marcano, right? Um, yeah, I don't remember off the top yeah, of my head, but know. it's all good. Yeah. But yeah, man. So, uh, oh yeah, and Rob Fong got booked, man. He's fighting Ian yeah, Whistle, so uh, avoid the leg locks, Rob Fong. <laughs> now, uh, next up we had, man, this was this was the sweat of the night, bro. You know, we both had three units on uh, Alessio DiCirico. He fought Gareth McClellan. And, you know, in my personal opinion, and, you know, honestly, like, you know, people call it betting bias and this or that, but look, if my guy loses, I, I know if my guy lost, you know what I'm saying? And I, I always assume the worst. But in this fight... I didn't, you know, see it being a split decision. I thought that Alessio won the fight, even though he did fuck around at times, even though he took way, you know, he didn't fight the way we thought he was going to fight. He still clearly won the fight, man. You know, he had the fight almost finished in the second and the third round. So I, I don't see the argument you can make for scoring two rounds for Gareth McClellan in that spot. Um, you know, yeah, it was definitely one of the biggest sweats of the year, you know, um, of our especially, lives, especially, <laughs> especially when you play, when you play a minus, you know, two fifteen, you know, straight up. Um, you know, I was disappointed in Alessio. Hey, he got the job. He got the job done. But you know, going into the fight, my honest opinion of McClellan was, 
that he was a jobber that, you know, he didn't belong. And he definitely proved me wrong. You know, um, he definitely has gotten a lot better since, you know, his debut. Um, you know, he cracked Alessio hard. And uh, I feel like Alessio should definitely, you know, drop to one side. You got to drop a ASAP, man. I mean, because by three minutes into that fight, he was gassed out and huffing and puffing. And, but, um, but he got to fight with his heart. That, that's good. Heart. You know, he showed that uh, Italian spirit. Um, you know, uh, it was definitely a back and forth fight. You know, I understand why a judge scored it for Garrett just because at the end of the third round, he got a takedown. And Alessio kind of did get out positioned, but the damage, who landed the damaging blows, who got dropped, Alessio did that. So that's what I want. Yeah, absolutely. So Alessio, he's got to drop to 70. Who should he fight in his UFC 170 pound debut? Because one can make the argument that he's 2 0. A lot of people thought he won to Boyan. But the thing is, let's say he lost to Boyan, which he did. You know, Boyan's an expert point fighter. That, today was a completely different matchup. So. You know, with the right matchup and the right weight class, you know, we could see big things from a, a guy like Alessio, especially with him sparring with Yaka. Chad, Chad Lepre. Um, oh, yeah. Chad oh, yeah. That's what we said earlier. Yeah. Chad Lepre's going up to 170. is going down to 170. Let them meet, you know. Chad Lepre versus DiCirico. I like it, man. And Gareth McClellan, do you think they give him another shot? Um, Yes, because he's from South Africa and they need a South African. But I wouldn't be shocked if he got the pink slip. If he were to get another shot, I mean, are we talking like we're Brad talking, Tavares, like, get, you know, welcome back or what? Uh, Wally Bangbos, uh, Anthony Smith, um, uh, you know, guys that are on the verge of getting cut, like a Holy War Angel yeah. fighter, Anthony Smith. Um, I got you. Yeah, definitely one of those. All right. So next up, man, this was fucking awesome, man, man. We didn't get to see film on Felipe Silva, but we saw him on the scale, man. You look ready to fight, and, uh, you know, when you got Muay Thai tatted on your chest and you're fighting a Muay Thai world champion like Shane Campbell, you know, you better uh, you better back it up, and he backed it up indeed. He went in there against Shane Campbell, and, man, you know, he ripped that right hand, which Shane blocked, and as he blocked up high, that's when Felipe Silva makes that left hook to the body, to the liver. It was absolutely beautiful, and then, you know, he followed up and put him down, but it was really the liver shot that did it, man, and if you're going to make your UFC debut – what an emphatic performance to do it on. I mean, yeah, man. Uh, there wasn't really too much tape on him, you know, going into this fight. But, you know, we knew Campbell is one of these, you know, aging, you know, uh, former K-1 guys that, you know, like to shell up a lot and, you know, his body's deteriorating. And, you know, uh, Felipe put it on him, man. You know, Felipe made an impressive uh, statement because James Krause couldn't finish him like that or, you know, uh, you know, Coke finished him. But, Felipe made clean work, you know, so, you know, I definitely think Felipe is in for a big fight next and um, we'll see where he goes. What kind of big fight are we talking? Are we talking like Coke? Are we talking? We're talking about John McDessie level. Oh uh, man, that'd be nice. Give me that Felipe win plus of, money. Winner of, you know, Stevie Ray, Patrick. Um, okay, so you think he's in that kind of conversation? I mean, because, I mean, Shane Campbell's a guy that fought a lot of those names, you know, John McDessie, James yeah, Krause. So uh, the kid he got a win over was very hyped yeah. at the time, and then his uh, last loss to Eric Koch. So, yeah, so one of those fighters could yeah. uh, make a good for uh, second or, opponent. Um, Felipe versus the winner of uh, Glaco and this kid uh, Gillespie uh, coming oh, in. Oh man, so, that's a that's a yeah. good fight. That's flying so, under the yeah. radar. So, so the fight pass featured prelim Chad Lepre versus Tebow Gotti. Now, man, 
I got, I got, I, I'm willing to take the heat on this one, man, because look, Chad Lapree missed weight by three pounds. So I was like, all right, looks like I got to fade him. Man, yesterday, Bubba Jenkins missed weight by three pounds and he got knocked out in the first round. T Bal Gotti. Uh, oh, yeah, my, my bad. Georgie missed weight by uh, three pounds and uh, he knocked out Bubba Jenkins in under a minute. Fucking Chad Lapree missed weight by three pounds and he fucking knocked out uh, T Bal Gotti in under two minutes. So, you know, I guess the theory that this missing weight shit matters really doesn't. And I think it's because with the early weigh-ins, you don't get the chance to go back and lose more weight. It's the weight you come in on is the final weight, and you leave it at that. And, you know, that's the bottom line. Um, yeah, man. Baby Joe missed weight by, like, two pounds and beat Caldwell. Do they rehydrate in, in that other organization? I think those are just normal, you know, like, normal weights. Um, but, uh, man, these dudes that miss weight might have to start betting on them because it seems like they can't yeah be. i mean shit, they really have been so, so you know lesson yeah. learned that's the bottom <laughs> so, line and as far as chad Lepre, we mentioned he should be fighting alessio di Chirico in both of their 170 pound debuts yeah. as far as tibo gaudi it's back to the regional scene and uh in the in the curtain jerker we had jeremy kennedy versus Ale alessandro ricci you know i wouldn't be surprised if they cut ricci you know even though he did short, step up on short notice maybe to give him one more shot but you know, this was a, I mean, he fought like John Alessio, just couldn't stop the takedowns, couldn't get off on his striking. You know the deal, man. And with uh, Kennedy, I was, I was impressed, man, because he was a 55er fighting at, excuse me, he was a 45er fighting at 55, and he bodied the uh, the bigger man. And uh, now he's poised to go back to his normal weight class. And uh, I think he can have success there. So before we get out of here, we got to give our own performance bonuses and our fight of the night bonus. And then after that, we got to grade the card. So, First up, the two performance of the nights for UFC Vancouver. What are they, in your opinion? Not what the UFC you would give, what you would give. Um, Van Zandt, for sure. I mean, landing that kick. And um, Damian Maya. I mean, I agree with those. You know, when you, when you make quick work of Carlos like that and make it look easy, you deserve that 50K. And Van Zandt putting that big talker in the ground, you deserve that 50K. And uh, fight of the night, you know. Oh, let's get to that in a sec. And, you know, the thing with uh, with the Van Zandt kick, it's not just, you know, putting the talk on the ground. It's the way she did, you know, to, to do a kick like that that you don't see often, that you've never actually seen yeah. uh, land in a knockout. You've seen Yair Rodriguez throw it on Charles Rosa, but you've never seen anyone actually finish with that move. So for her to do that, there's no doubt. And, you know, I'm not going to stay here and disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing with you because there's no reason to do that. Damian Maya clearly should get that performance of the night bonus. I mean, one doesn't simply finish Carlos Condit, let alone in the first round, and to show the improvements that he's been making. You know, with Matt Brown, it went to the third round. With Neil Magny, it was the second round. With Gunny, it was a decision. Now with Carlos Condit, the highest-ranked guy he's ever fought, he went out there and he shined under those bright lights, made the statement, and cemented his case for a title shot. So that is my performance of the night. Now let's talk about the fight of the night. So uh, there's a lot of options here. I mean, you could look at uh, Pettis and Oliveira. You could look at Jim and Joe. You could look at Alessio and McClellan. So out of those three, there's many reasons why you'd give it to each guy. So in your opinion, out of the three, who do you think deserves it the most? To be honest, out of the three, I feel like Miller and Lozon should be at the bottom of that three. I felt like Pettis and Oliveira was more exciting, and I felt like Alessio and Gareth was more exciting. I mean, me and you were going crazy in that Alessio-Gareth uh, fight. We were fucking screaming at Alessio. And I felt like that was uh, super, super close. Um, um, you know, I feel like uh, they probably should have got fight of the night just because, you know, 
those guys are probably more struggling and probably needed more, but hey, it is what it is. The rich get richer, and props to Lozon and uh, and Miller because they just took home some serious fat checks. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm gonna have to second that again, man. I I thought they should have been at the bottom of the list, you know, because with Pettis to submit a guy like Charles DeBronx Oliveira, which you know has only been done by a guy like Jim Miller, and to come back after a three fight losing streak. You know, overcome adversity in the fight. Charles DuBronx was looking good early on. You can make a good case for that being the fight of the night. But then also, like you mentioned, like you mentioned, Ticharico versus McClellan. I mean, those two could use the bonus out of anyone. And, you know, they put on a great fight. So I would give it to Ticharico and McClellan. Now we got to give this grade a card, you know, a letter grade, you know. So last week for 202, I gave that an A. So what would you give uh, UFC Vancouver, man? Because, I mean, it wasn't a bad card at all. It, but, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, Conor McGregor was Nate Diaz, too. What would yeah. you give this? I would give this a solid B, you know. Um, had its, you know, uh, actually it was a very good card, man. I felt like the even the fights that went to decision, like Barzola and Boshnak was a very good fight. Um, Alvi putting Casey in the ground. Um, uh, I feel like a solid B. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree, and I'm going to go ahead and step up and give it a B-plus. I mean, just to see uh, Damian Maia solidify his spot for that title shot, to finish a guy like Carlos Condit, Anthony Pettis, snap that three-fight losing streak, and be the second man in MMA history to submit Charles Dubronx Oliveira, that beautiful kick by Paige Van Zandt, you know, the Sam Alvey knockout, the fights that you mentioned. Overall, I'd say it was a B-plus. So, hey, man, thanks for recapping the fights with me. And uh, for all the fans, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow The Clown Kid. You know, this show was done in his honor. My man, The Clown Kid, thanks for letting me host. Follow him on Twitter at, at The Clown Kid. Subscribe to Before the Bald Man Speaks. And if you want to check me out, I'm on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. And my podcast, Half the Battles, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And follow this man at MMA Genius 05. So, man, it was a hell of a fight. And uh, we'll see you next week for uh, UFC Hamburg.